Nobody. Who can take my place? Nobody. Welcome back to Whole Squad Eats, where we talk about growing businesses, making money, and being the best version of you. I hope you enjoy and subscribe. Let's eat. Welcome back to the show. I'm your host, Phil Risher, And on today's episode, I have a solo episode for you. I'm actually going to be talking about one of my favorite quotes, which is, if you want it bad enough, you'll find a way. If not, you'll find an excuse. More importantly, we're going to be diving into what does this actually mean? And I'm going to actually give you a 2.0 version of this, of what I've uncovered through my process. The reason that I came up for this podcast was because I get this one all the time. And I was actually just a guest on a podcast. And the guy said the exact same thing that everyone says to me. And I'm like, dude, you should, of all people, should believe that this is possible because you're a dreamer just like I am. What he said was, so if you, ha- if you don't know my full story, go back to episode one. You can listen to it. I bought my first condo when I was 25 with cash. And literally everyone, the people that I worked with, my own family, my friends, they would all tell me like, dude, you're crazy. There's no way you're going to buy a condo with cash. And everyone says it's impossible. And now when I tell people this story, and this is what happened on the podcast, now when I tell people that I did this, they're like, oh, I wish it was that, that inexpensive where I live. I wish it was affordable where I live to do that. I'm not saying that it is or it's not, but what I am saying is that if you want something bad enough, you'll find a way, and if not, you'll find an excuse. I'm not saying, man, I was living in the Taj Mahal or some big mansion or something for for what I got, but what I am saying is that if you want it, you can figure out how to do it, and that's what I did. And so I would challenge you to think about if you have a goal or something that maybe sounds crazy, to think about how you can do it. And this concept is not something that I came up with by any means. I heard this in a book called Rich Dad, Poor Dad. And in that book, he was telling um, a story, and you probably might relate to this, is a lot of times growing up, because this is what I still hear and have heard from many people, and I used to hear this when I was younger, was, do you think money grows on trees? We can't afford that. We can't afford that on my salary. Nowadays, I even hear it. My wife is a teacher, and it's like, I'm a teacher, so I can't afford that they put a lot of limiting beliefs on the reason that they can't afford things. And what happens is that it shuts your brain off for any possibility of being able to somehow feasibly be able to do something or make this certain amount of money or buy this certain thing. And I think that a lot of times it cuts people off from chasing their dreams or goals because they just automatically say, I can't do that. And so in the book, Rich Dad, Poor Dad, he he says, instead of saying, don't say, I can't afford that, ask, how can I afford that? How can I afford that unlocks your thinking to be able to come up with solutions? So the example that he gives is like, you know, if you want to buy a house or you want to buy a rental property or you want to go on a trip or what have you, how can I do that? And you start coming up with scenarios, whether it's, I could sell this, I could get a new job, I could do this, I could do this. You come up with, not saying that you're going to do all these things, but you start coming up with solutions and you're solution oriented. A funny saying that I heard is stay away from negative people because they have a problem for every solution. And there's a lot of people out there that will have problems for every single solution. Another example that this is exactly how I went through this framework when I was going to travel around the country. I bought a school bus and I traveled around the country and I I didn't like my job and I was like, I want to go do something fun. Well, my major in college was international business. I studied abroad several places. I wanted to travel. And one of the things that I was looking at was, okay, well, I could go overseas and backpack around the, you know, Europe or whatever for a couple months. But I had a dog at that point. And what would I do with my dog? I could guess I could give it to someone else, but I want to take my dog with me because my dog. And so then I said, well, I could go around the United States. Well, would I be able to stay in hotels around the United States? Probably not. Maybe it'd be kind of a pain. So, okay, well, I guess I could get an RV. 
an RV was so expensive, you know, $60,000 minimum to get an RV and I'm, and I'm not willing to spend that much money to travel. So then I started looking at other options and I say, and I found out, wow, well, you could buy a school bus for a couple thousand dollars and you could renovate it into a tiny home and then you could travel in that. It's basically an inexpensive RV for a guy and his dog. That sounds like a great adventure. And so when you start, this is exactly the thought process that I went through. And so then I came up with, okay, well, what's my budget for this? Let me come up with some ideas and processes and see if this might be able to work. And so this entire trip that I went on, it was for three months. I traveled around the country in a school bus. The bus cost me $5,000 to renovate. It was $2,000. The gas for the trip was $3,000. So in total, that was $10,000 for this trip. Now, I'm not saying that that's exactly what you should do and, and, and go for these crazy things. But what I am saying is when you start coming up with solutions, you get rid of a lot of the problems that are in the way. And whenever I could bring even the bus thing, when I would bring it up to people, they'd be like, well, what if the bus breaks down? Well, what if you get stuck? What if you get robbed? What if you, what if, what if, what if? And there are what ifs. There are what ifs that are going to happen and you do have to plan for them. And I'm an extreme planner. You may think that this stuff sounds crazy that I'm saying, but anyone that knows me knows that I don't take crazy risks. I'm an extreme planner and I have everything documented out in spreadsheets and I'm looking at the numbers. I'm looking at what if this happens, what am I going to do? But if this happens, what am I going to do? My wife, she's very good at coming up with what ifs and not in a bad way. She helps keep me in check, but she's very good at saying, well, what if this happens? What if this happens? And she loves that I usually have a reason why I have a solution for that. But it's very good for me to keep me in checks and balances. So there is a component to what ifs. And that's why I think you should go through your process and say, okay, how am I going to do this? Does this make sense? And what if this? My example of the bus and the home with cash is, is maybe an extreme example for you. But let's just take an example of, I want to buy a home in five years. This is a very common one. I used to have a blog where I would talk about personal finance and budgeting. This is a very common one. I want to pay off my student loans. I want to buy a home. I want to buy a car. Okay. What is, how much student loans do you have? Let's say you have $50,000. Okay. How are you going to pay that off? Let's set a time frame. Let's say five years. So that means that you have to spend, you have to pay $10,000 every single year. So that means that you're going to have to pay X amount of dollars every single month. So how do we do that? Then we come up with a budget and a plan. Same thing with you want to buy a house and the money side of things. But then also there's another component co component to that, which is that you have to actually find the house. And this is the one thing that unlocked a lot for me. This is that 2.0 that I was referring to, which it's not so much how do I do it. There is a component to how, but there's a really good book that I read called Who Not How. And in that book, he talks about who can help you achieve that goal. And this was one that I never thought of until I read this book. and there's two, there's two layers to this. The first thing is, okay, yes, I could buy a school bus and I could turn it into a tiny home myself, or I could find someone to help me do that. And subconsciously, that's exactly what I did. My stepdad, he actually had built a tiny cabin on his hunting property and it was an off-grid property. And I had no idea what I was doing, buying a school bus or turning it into a tiny home. I had no idea about turning something into a sustainable thing that was off grid. I didn't know, but I knew that he had done this and I had helped him with some parts of it. So he was a who for me because yes, I could piece the how together to do this, but I also needed a who to help me retrofit this bus. And so there's a component to how can I do this, but also who can help me do this. If we take that consideration in for buying a home, Yes, there's a layer of how can I come up with $20,000 or $50,000, $100,000. That is a how. But there's also a who that can help you find this home. 
There's also a who that could employ you to get, help you reach these goals when it comes to a financial perspective. And it takes on a whole nother layer when you think about business in some regards. Like for me, I own a business and my business and me, I am a who for the people that work at our company because I am providing them an opportunity to make a great living, to live a life that is maybe free for them, that they don't have to stress, that they can also do things with their families. I am the who for them that they find value in. And likewise, they're a who for me because I might not like doing website development and building websites. So I find a who that can help me with that. And so that saying who, not how is very, very important. And you could take that down all the way granular to the bus example, which is I could find someone who retrofits buses and just buy the bus from them. And they're my who there's a million different examples of who, not how, but that is a 2.0 version for me that really changed the trajectory of how I think about things. And now in this book, who, not how he has different freedoms. The second freedom is freedom from money. And what he says in this book is that if you have enough money to solve the problem, you don't have a problem. And a lot of times people get stuck in the how phase and they don't want to spend the money on the who to solve the problem. And so then they're stuck just doing all this stuff. And for me, I'm a naturally inclined, curious person that runs with hows. I'll see something and I'll say, man, how does that work? How could I incorporate that in this? I'll go to YouTube University and I'll just research stuff and I'll figure out how. I figured out how to do digital marketing just by figuring it out. I started my blog and my website just by doing, figuring it out. And so I think naturally people that are curious and they go down this, this how rabbit hole, it's very hard for them to release the reins and pay someone when they know I could just figure it out myself. And we see this so many times with business owners where they're so intertwined in their marketing or their finance or their production because they are smart. They could figure it out. They could go down and be the best marketing person, but they're running their own business. They need to find a who, not a how. And that's how it all ties together for us in business is who, not how. And so if you want something bad enough, you'll find a way. If not, you'll find an excuse. The other part to this is being realistic with your goals. And this is something that I I used to get a lot of pushback on personally in my like okay I'm I like playing basketball I'm five seven I'm thirty three about to be thirty four years old if I set my goal to play in the NBA is it realistic no let's just be honest there's probably no way that I would ever be on an NBA team in playing basketball at my height and at my age. (laughs) Let's just be honest. Okay, so being realistic about your goals is a component to it because you might set your goals on something, but you might actually not believe in your mind that it is realistic, or you might not be set up to be able to actually do that. And so there's a layer of being realistic. For example, let's say you have a million dollars in student loans and you're making $20,000. That is a unrealistic goal to say that I'm going to pay this off in six months. Not saying that it can't happen, but your how has to, there might be some luck that has to happen in that how. You might have to hit the lottery. You might have to find a job that pays you $400,000 per month or something crazy. And so there's a layer to coming up with realistic goals, but then also not turning off the goal dreaming in your head to coming up with solutions. And so I think that it's extremely valuable to go through this process of What is your goal? Is it too big or is it too small? And always err on the side of caution. There's another good saying that I like, which is if you shoot for the moon and you land in the stars, you still made it to outer space. And so when you look at a broader outer space, you're still reaching the goal of outer space. You just might not hit the moon. You just land in the stars. 
I think that that's extremely important to consider when you're setting goals for yourself, not to discount yourself. One part that I fell into this trap several times was I thought it was cool to set a big goal. I thought it was cool to go for something big, which I'm always about that. What ended up happening was I kept making excuses for not doing that. And I had to reevaluate my goal and say, is this actually something that I want? Do I actually want this goal? Or am I just thinking that it's cool to maybe say that I want to do this? If I keep making excuses for myself and I keep, make, keep making excuses for the outcomes, then maybe I don't want this goal bad enough. And that saying, if you want it bad enough, you'll find a way. If not, you'll find an excuse. You could also say it a different way. If you keep making excuses, you might not want it bad enough. And so if you keep making excuses about things, you probably don't want it bad enough. And you, you also hear this story when people say, live like you're dying. People that have gone through traumatic things and they live different because they've, they now want it bad enough. They now want to achieve the outcome because they've seen what it's like. And I think a lot of times people don't live like that. They just think like, oh yeah, I'm going to go through this. And you know, if I go for this, yeah, that's great. If this works out, great. But they don't ever set goals. A big thing that I used to talk about on the blog a lot, and I think this is extremely important and is missed, is that in life, society sets you up for being built to their standards. What I mean by that is that you grow up and you go through the benchmarks, which is, you know, go to school, you get good grades, you go to college, you get a job, you make some money, you have a family, you have a house, you have a mortgage, you have a car, and that's it. You retire and then that's it. When you're growing up, age one to 18, all the goals in your life are pretty much set for you by your parents. And the goal of to get A's, the goal of to you know be the best athlete over here, the goal of whatever it is for you, it's set by your parents. And maybe you work with them a little bit on, but they're telling you, hey, here's your goal. Here's what I want to see from you. Here's what I want from you. What we don't do is empower people to set goals for themselves. So then when they graduate high school, college, they don't know how to set goals. They don't know what a goal looks like. They just continue to stick to the script of what society has told them to do without thinking outside the box or big goals of things that they want to do. And I think that it's extremely, extremely, extremely important that if you're listening to this, don't fall into the trap of the rat race and don't fall into the trap of this is just the way that my life's going to be because X, Y, and Z. You can do pretty much anything if you really, really go for it and you really want to be a part of it. Let's go back to that example with the NBA. Okay, I might not be able to be the starting center on the Lakers, let's be honest, but could I create so much proximity to the Lakers or to an NBA team that I could get on the court, maybe that I could be a part of the team in some aspects, maybe that I could get out there in a scrimmage or two with them. Without a doubt, 1000%, I know for a fact that I could do that. Is that something that I want to do and is my goal? Probably not, but I think that that would be cool. And so goes back to that analogy of shooting for the moon, landing in the stars. You might not be the starting center on the Lakers, let's just be honest, but you might be able to create proximity and get close enough to whatever your ultimate goal is. And I think that that's, that's something that's a lot of times missed is setting goals. They just go through the motions. So in reflection on this podcast, what I hope that you got from this is that you got to shoot, you got to set goals. More importantly, don't turn your brain off from shooting for goals. Don't turn your brain off from saying, I can't afford that. I can't do that. I can't, I can't change your framework to how can I do that? How can I afford that? How can I make that solution? And then you're going to start coming up with solutions to your problems. And then you need to take action on them. A goal without a plan is just a wish. If you set a goal, you got to have a plan that correlates with that. And it's something that's very important. Hope you found value in this and I'll see you in the next episode. Who in my way? I don't see him. Nobody. At all. Who can take my place? Who can be me? Nobody. At all. Who got something to say? Who gonna say it? Everybody. Who gonna say it to my face? Who brave enough? Nobody. I